Hey, if you guys, any of you guys are on the prayer list, you ever prayed for a guy named Mike that had an open heart surgery? This is him right here. <laughs> and he hasn't killed over yet, so I'm like, yeah. <laughs> We're doing good. Uh, as, <laughs> sorry. As, as Pam said, uh, next week is baptisms. We want all of you guys to come to baptisms. Uh, don't eat lunch. Come. What we did is we actually changed because next week's supposed to be warmer than we thought. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to make salads. So we're going to have like pasta salad and salad salad. And, uh, and, and then you just bring like a side to share and something to drink. So that's like cookies or, you know, cookies. <laughs> Bread would be okay, I suppose. If you want to go swimming, uh, the pool's heated. So you can hop in the pool and go swimming next week after the baptism. So don't be like... Oh, that's the Holy Spirit. Boom, you'd be like, yeah, cannonball. That would just not be good. <laughs> Till we're done, uh, then it'll be great. Uh, the second thing is on uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, we're having to get together here. We're going to, once again, provide the main meal itself. We're actually going to do different soups. Uh, we're going to put some fire pits outside. We're going to do a thing outside where we talk about you know, Thanksgiving and what that kind of means, get you guys connected a little better with each other, feed you food, and once again, bring something to share and something to drink, and it'll be a whole a lot of fun. Now, uh, we ha- we're getting ready to start decorating for Christmas because it is the most wonderful time of the year. All right? Yeah? Okay. Anyway, so if you guys have any of this stuff, don't go out and buy it, but if you have this stuff like laying around, like if you're like Terry Jafruti, one of the ladies who's helping decorate, she's got, she can't park two cars in the garage because she's got so much Christmas stuff. If this is you and you have some, of the, if you have big garland, okay, I'm like, like big garland, not like, oh, I got some garland. You know, we don't want that. We want manly garland, okay, like big stuff. So if you have big garland, we need some of that. Uh, we need silver ornaments any size, okay, silver ornaments. It's like, oh, I got this box of silver ornaments. didn't want to throw them away. That's good. Uh, and then large ornaments, like, I mean, like large ornaments. You know, like the ones they sell at, like, Walmart after Christmas for, like, you know, 20 bucks off? Those. We need large ornaments. So if you got some of those, we need those too. And then lastly, uh, if you have candles, like, Candles like this, just like, oh, I decided to spend $100 on candles, and I'm never going to use them. Yeah, you, we, we want this. Uh, if you have any of that stuff, talk to Mikey back there and let him know, and we'll get in touch with you and hopefully find a way to get those down to us so we can decorate and not be kind of sparse. Our, one of our trees caught some fungus or something, so that's why it's outside, and we didn't want to be like all, oh, look, one tree, we're lopsided. So, Put up that Christmas for Kids slide real quick. I, th- I saw it, and it was so funny to me. Oh, sorry. Oh, don't worry about it. It's okay. Because uh, they look like gingerbread men. And I'm like, cookies. <laughs> that was great. Why don't you guys stand there reading God's Word? Uh, this is Proverbs 11.25, and it says this. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I ask that we as a people would understand uh, the things that you have placed in our hands and then what we are to do with the stuff that you have given us, that we wouldn't be a people who uh, ultimately just consume it ourselves, but that we would give to you because all things are yours. Help us to truly live like your kids. Amen. Have a seat. So we are starting a new series called uh, Stuff as we head into Christmas. Uh, it works well kind of with the whole Empire series we came out of because we kind of talked in that, what do you do with the stuff that you have and that kind of thing. So, you know, Christmas is a lot about stuff and actually it's supposed to be about God's grace and goodness to us. Uh, the, the series on stuff is going to kind of focus on the things that we have and what we do with the things that we have and also 
our money and how we use it or how we are actually controlled by it. This week, uh, we are going to actually talk about giving, the most popular subject ever in the history of the Christian church, right? Today may be a little painful for some of you. Uh, trust me, it does get better. Next week, we're talking about work, and I, it's a whole lot of fun next week. Uh, if you're a first-time visitor, they tell you, you know, the guy from the pulpit's never supposed to apologize for anything up front. But you know what? Sorry in advance, you chose the worst possible weeks to visit ever, <laughs> okay? <laughs> how it goes. So here we go. Uh, 10% of all scripture and 25% of Jesus' words actually deal with the subject of money. And we at Element, we actually never talk about it. I probably need to apologize to you for that because we never talk about it. And me not talking about it means I have been unfaithful to Scripture and not talking about it. If I was more faithful to Scripture and Jesus, you would hear about it more often. I also kind of shy away from things like this because of the tough economic times that we find ourselves in. When we talk about stuff and talk about money, the first place I have to talk to you about is we've got to start telling you about Jesus. Because if you don't understand Jesus, then nothing I say this morning is going to make sense whatsoever. Uh, I think many churches that are unhealthy are unhealthy because they have a misunderstanding of who God actually is. And so I'm going to clear that up for you this morning. Number one thing you need to know about God is that there is one and that you are not him. Okay, You are not him. God is wholly someone else. God spoke. He created everything, and therefore everything belongs to God. Everything was made for the glory of God. We were made for the glory of God. That means we were made to reflect that glory, and all things that he made were made to reflect his purposes. In creation, there's supposed to be harmony and unity and peace and love. Very early in Scripture, God creates humans as this crowning achievement to his entire creation. And then he gives those humans the choice to live lives and, and take the things that God has given, either to glorify him or to not glorify him with those things. And what do they do? The first man and the woman decide not to glorify him with those things. And everyone since has done the exact same thing. We begin to worship ourselves instead of our God. The biggest problem in our world today is not Muslims or terrorism or the economy or Bush or Obama or Congress or health care. It is that we love ourselves more than we love our God, and that is idolatry. And that we give to ourselves more than we give to our God, and that is false worship. We buy things with money we don't have to, you know, things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. That's how it goes. And we think our money is our money, and our time is our time, and our days is our, our days, and our life is our life. And we believe that we are like God, and we know good and evil. And we assume then when we take all these things into our hands and then something goes wrong, we then look at God and say, God, what are you doing? You know, and then so we get even more freaked out and then we take even more things into our hands because we believe that God is unskilled in taking care of us even though we're the ones who keep grabbing on and doing everything ourselves. And that is the essence of all sin. That is pride, thinking we know better than God and doing it our own way. The essence of all sin is pride. If you have a Bible, open to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 kind of speaks about a humility. Romans 12 verse 3. I'm going to be very nice to you this morning and let you guys actually stay in Romans while I go a bunch of other places because I'm like that. Romans 12, verse 3 says that by this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. At some point in all of our lives, we all end up being hypocrites. We think of ourselves as knowing better than God, so what we try to do is create a world where we have our own way. And we like to look at things and we want to define what sin is and we want to define what righteousness is and we want to define what law is and what heaven and hell and God and who's in and who's out. And what we do is we wage war against God because we want to rule over our own little kingdoms. 
you know, rather than living in the kingdom of God. This is called sin. Sin makes us an enemy of God. Our sin reaches to heaven. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And God really has every right to strike you and I down. We have no right to cry out to God for mercy and forgiveness and a changed heart. You know, we have no right to say, I want a redeemed life. God, give it to me. We, we live in blind to the truth. We do not see. Open to Romans chapter 3. Okay, a couple chapters to the left. Chapter 3, verse 10. You're like, wow, you're coming out the gate swinging. Yes, I am. Romans 3, verse 10. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And so what we do as people is we will even argue with God about the things that He clearly states in His Word. Now, last year and this year, a year, I took you through the book of John. And part of the things I show you is that Satan is very cunning, and he convinces us that the life that we live apart from God is going to be as good as it gets, that the curse that humanity lives under because of its own choice is normal, and the war against God is normal. I will tell you, it is not normal. It is not how God intends us to live. So what has God done for us? You go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, and God makes a promise that He will involve Himself in our own situation. And that is God's mercy and God's grace. If I did to you what we do to God, you wouldn't give me any mercy. You know, we, we rob God of His glory. We use the things God has given us for improper purposes. We take the things that are His and use them for us. We even use the body He has given us to participate in things that dishonor Him. And yet God in His mercy, promises that He would find us because we are the ones who are lost. We are the ones who are lost, not God. It's not, I found Jesus. God found us. God came for us. That is the great hope of the gospel, You know that, that God came as one of us, not a stranger on the bus trying to find His way home. Okay, God came in Christ as a... Per- this is the whole idea of Christmas, that God comes in the flesh to save us. Jesus, to redeem us humbled himself and he lives with us. We had made such a mess of our lives in the world that God entered into the stench of death humbly, humbly. Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says that is the humility of God. You and I, we're we're all about our rights and I have the right to this and I get that and and I want this. God empties himself of his rights and his glory and he comes to us in humility. He takes on flesh as Jesus. He gets tempted in every way that we are but does not give in to the temptation and instead glorifies the Father. Jesus chose obedience instead of self-idolatry. In Philippians 2.9, it says that God the Father then exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place. You and I, we all want exaltation without humiliation. You know, we want victory without having to believe in the spilled blood of Christ and what that means for us. Yet Jesus did spill his blood so that you and I can have victory. In the simplest terms possible, we killed God. We killed Jesus. That's what that means. Now think about this. If God was angry before that, that we stole the things that were his and used them for ourselves and we used the body he gives us to dishonor him, I mean, if his wrath is full with that, how much more is it full now? That we killed his son. Would that make you angry? Yes, exactly. But when you look in Scripture, what you realize is that we didn't actually kill him against his will. It was because of us. But God laid down his life voluntarily, but we, in essence, are the ones that kill him. God should have killed us instead, but instead he let us kill him. You may say, well, my sin's not really that big. It's big enough to kill God. That's a lot. If it doesn't seem big, then that is evidence of our own self-deception. Now, when Jesus died, again, he allows himself to die for me. Okay? Instead of my death, he gives me life. 
personally, for me, I, I have no problem with the fact that people die. I have no problem with the fact that there is a hell. What doesn't make sense to me is that people get forgiven and get to live with God and have redemption and live in His kingdom. To me, that makes no logical sense whatsoever. That is why it is called grace. Grace. Ephesians 2.8 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. What did you do to get it? What did you do to get that? Nothing. Nothing. It is a gift. You killed God. But He loved you, and He forgave you, and He gave you life. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. Jesus puts his perfection on me and puts my sin upon him, and apparently that glorifies the Father. The gospel is not about God blessing you so you can be glorified. And these Mormons come to my house a few weeks ago, and we got in this conversation. And at the end of the conversation, uh, it kind of came down to this. They, they said, you know, why well, do this and then God glorifies me? And I go, that's not God's job to glorify you. It is our job to glorify the Father. That's what we do. Some Christians, you watch these crazy people on TV, they say the same thing. It's God's job and He's going to glorify you. No, it is our job to glorify God. I mean, Jesus did not come so you could fulfill your potential. You already fulfilled your potential and He had to die because of it. Okay? There's this bizarre teaching out there that, that God is there to bless us and make us all happy. That is idolatry. God does bless us. I'm not saying He doesn't, but that is God's grace. When, when God doesn't bless us and give us, give us what we want, all of a sudden we start thinking that, that there's something wrong with God and we get mad at Him. God, I'm supposed to be rich. God, I'm supposed to be married. God, I'm supposed to be having better sex than this. God, what are you doing? And we get mad at God because we think this is my body and this is my life and these are my days and I should be able to get what I want. That is American individuality and it is not Christianity. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.20, You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your body. So when Jesus redeems us, you know, when, when, we, when He takes us and, and places our sin upon Him and gives us His righteousness, He takes us from the slavery to sin and death that we were in, like we talked about through the whole Empire series. He brings us out of our Egypt and He redeems us. He gives us life. And now we are people who belong to God. God transforms us with His love and His grace, so we belong to Him. Turn to Romans chapter 1. In all this, there is no third option where God frees us to self-actualize ourselves. Romans chapter 1, verse 6, Paul is speaking to the Romans, but he says this, 1, 6, And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. That is the heart of Christianity right there, belonging to Jesus so all of a sudden, you know, my time becomes Jesus' time. My days become Jesus' days. My finances become Jesus' finances. My body becomes the body that Jesus wants to use to touch the world around me. That's the point. Before redemption, all these things in our lives, they dishonored God. And now that we are redeemed, it's all at His disposal. It now gets to do that for which it was created for. To honor Him. And some people say things like this. And... They're like, well, that's awful. God just thinks everything is His. Yes, He does. He does. He does think everything is His because it is. And when God gets glory, people get joy. And you will be as never, you'll never be as happy as when you see God get His glory and you participate with Him in the work of the gospel. Uh, in, in the Old Testament, the, the Israelites are getting ready to build God's temple. 
And in 1 Chronicles 29, 14, David says this about all the gifts that are brought to God. He says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. That's a great perspective. It's a great perspective. Everything belongs to God and our lives are an opportunity to give back to him. This is prayer, finances, devotion, friendships, work, children, marriage, all of your stuff. Idolatry thinks these things are mine and God wants to steal them from me and, and leave me destitute, living in a box. And that's not what God is like. Scripture teaches that God is the one who has given you the gifts to be a good steward over the things that you have. That is the point to be a good steward. This also goes all the way back to the idea of Abraham in the Old Testament. And God takes this guy named Abraham and he says, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing to the world. And so he, he becomes kind of you know, the, the beginning of the Hebrews. And so the Hebrews get this and they're thinking, oh, you know, we're, we're the chosen people. Yes, they were. Why were they chosen? To be a blessing to the world. They're blessed to be a blessing. But they just started thinking, we're, we're the chosen people. We're blessed. We're, we're just blessed people. And they start walking around thinking this rather than understanding they were chosen to be a blessing. They were chosen to take all these great things God had given them and begin to give it to other people. That is who God created them to be, and he calls them that. Blessed to be a blessing. Here's a little boy in the New Testament. Has a couple fishes, a couple loaves, give them to Jesus. Jesus feeds thousands of people with these fishes and loaves. And you look at this and you think, my goodness, that's crazy. It's complete and utter nonsense if you don't know God. The last becomes first. The weak confound the strong. The simple overcome the wise. Nothing works in our own minds with this because we have been deceived. The gospel has untold power within it for those who taste it and those who believe. It doesn't make any sense until we believe, which means that we have to believe and say, God, rule over me in every part of my life. So we can stop doing it ourselves. We must believe our condition is as severe as it is and that God came and died and conquered our enemies of Satan, sin, and death to give us life. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what do you do when you believe in Christ and you follow Christ? You do good. That's what you do. These things are all for the purpose of glorifying Him. Um, This includes our stuff. When I was a kid, uh, Christmas would roll around, and I'd have to, you know, I gotta get Christmas presents for, you know, for like my mom. And so I'm like four or five years old, and it's when Pick and Save was open, and I and I go into Pick and Save. It's like big lots, but cheaper. <laughs> so you get you go into so I go into Pick and Save, and they had these, these little frogs there, okay, and they had like these little springy mouths on them and stuff. And one was called mail, and one was called letters, and one was called bills. And I thought letters and mail was a crazy name for a frog, right? <laughs> So I was like, I'm going to buy Bills the Frog. Okay? So, so I go and I buy Bills the Frog, not realizing that all of a sudden, I just think my mom has tons of Bills. That's not what I meant. I thought his name was Bills. I didn't, and, and I wrap it up, and I give it to her for Christmas. So my mom gets open and gets Bills the Frog. It's like, what? Okay, thanks. You know. Now, whose money did I use to buy Bills the Frog for my mom for Christmas? Her money, exactly. I mean... Th- I, I used her money to buy a gift that I wrapped up and said, here, here's your Who bought the wrapping paper to wrap the gift? She did. Who bought the tape? I put on it to keep it closed. She did. Everything. That is our life. Everything that we give to God was his in the first place. We have no right to stick our hand in God's drawer and say, look at all this stuff I own. It's all God's to begin with. All God's. Very practically speaking this morning, 
we're going to go from there to a, a practical place. The, I'm going to tell you how God is faithful to us. This is the power of the gospel. Element started uh, a little over a year and a half ago. Uh, and me and my friend David, who's one of our deacons, we're, we're driving by out here and we're talking about this idea of Element and what it could be. And, and I look over at this building and I go, that'd be a cool place to do it. And David goes, ah, I don't know. So he goes, I'll make a few phone calls. So he does. And all of a sudden, boom, we, we get this building. Cheap, cheap. We don't own it. We, we rent it, but it's cheap. And so we, we come in here. Like our first meeting is like 35, 40 people. And literally the room to this far is covered in garbage. And that's because we moved the garbage from over here to, to, so we had enough room to actually meet somewhere. There's holes in the walls. There's, there's electrical hanging out. Like don't walk by. It's like, you know, you know send the people on death row through here because they'll, they'll be done because it's, it's crazy. Everything was so dangerous. It was awful. So we had 35, 40 people. People came in here. They had to bring their lawn chairs to meet in this room. You know, bring your chairs because we don't have any, you know. Uh, we had a heater. Paul Spencer bring stick it in the corner. It's this propane heater, and that, that's how we got heat in the room. You know, and then all of a sudden things start to grow, and, and more people start to come and have to bring their own lawn chairs again. You know, and so we kind of, we, we bought some chairs. We get to our first Easter service, and 140 people show up. Uh, there used to be walls in the back of the room where most of you guys are sitting right now, and there weren't chairs there. Okay, there were, there were walls and things, and so people were standing up in the hallway because we only had 137 chairs in here. You know, and so then we started, you know, literally launched maybe about 50 people. By year's end, we were running about 198 people. That's 400% growth. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's not because of anything we're doing. It's all because of God. This year at Easter, we had 350. Right now, we're running between 250 and 260. That's 25% growth in the last year. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. So we stand on the gospel. I tell you about Jesus all the time, and I'm not ashamed of it. You know, when I talk about money, I'm kind of like, eh, don't throw rocks at me, but I tell you the gospel because you need to hear the gospel because it changes lives. The average church in America is 75 to 80 people. The average church plant takes five years to reach 200 people. Five years. You guys did it in a year and a half, okay? So you're unusual. Some people go, you're unusual. Go, yes, I am. I'm, I'm totally unusual. That's how it works. Every, every month, we have literally hundreds of MP3s downloaded from our website uh, for people that, that don't even go here, and some of you guys too. Uh, and that's not doesn't include the notes that people download for different messages and different things. Also, the gospel goes out. Now, if you had a business, which this is not a business, but if you get your business to grow like that, that'd be phenomenal. Will we continue to grow? I don't know. I, I really have no idea. One thing that kind of scares me more about you know, success or more than failure is kind of the success because I want everybody to know the gospel. I want everybody to live the life that Christ calls you to live, to understand the missional purpose that God gives you, to understand who Jesus Christ is. And that means you're know, plugging you into small groups, plugging you into men's and women's ministries. And sometimes when you, when you grow this fast, people start to fall through the cracks. And I don't want that. I want everybody to know the gospel, everybody to get connected, everybody to get plugged in, and so that we are living the life of Christ outside these walls so people know and you guys make a difference and a change in the world around us. And so, yeah, uh, you know, will we continue to grow? I, I don't know. But if Jesus is really alive, which he is, and if Jesus is really seeking worshipers, which he is, and Jesus is really reconciling the world to himself, which he is, then growth is extremely possible. You know, today's message maybe not even be so much about money, but more about the gospel. But in the United States of America, they're kind of related. Ecclesiastes 10:19 says this: "A feast is made for laughter, and wine makes life merry, but money is the answer for everything." 
a smart guy, you know. We live in a society where things actually cost money. I don't know if you knew that or not. I'll just, you know, fill you in. But God has been very faithful to us. Our rent here includes all of our utilities, everything except for gas. So in the, in the middle of the winter, if it's really cold in here, that's why. <laughs> I, when we first came here, I thought it cost us about $30,000 to get everything in this room set up and ended up actually call, costing about sixty. But we bought the cheapest seats we could find. You know because you sit in them. You know, you look in front of you and everything's like peeling off and falling. It's like, boy, I can't even stick my pen in there. Cause, exactly, because they're, they're cheap seats. But God has been good to us practically. Practically. Gives us a place to meet. You guys come. God is always practically very good to us. The other side of that is, though, are we faithful people back to God? I want to give you some hard, cold facts of numbers and giving because people are always curious. Don't be offended when I show you how bad we actually are. Uh, the average income in Santa Maria is about $38,000 a year. Uh, it, actually, I'll tell you this, this is interesting. If, if we never grew over the family units that we have in here, do you know over the course of the next 40 years, $200 million will pass through your guys' hands? $200 million. That's a lot. That's a lot of money that God will send through our hands. And people say, well, who am I? What difference do I make? Well, you know what? When you get a whole group of people moving the same direction, it can create huge change and huge difference. Jesus says, you and I have been given a lot, so he expects a lot from us. For Element, this becomes a very huge responsibility. Because okay, God has given us a lot, so he's expecting a lot. God initiates. You see this in the scriptures. God initiates. We respond. It's how it works. And we simply give because God has given to us. When we started Element, we went from one service to two services to four services. I was preaching four services a day. Then we knocked out that back wall. We went back to three services. So it, you know, I get to sleep a little bit longer on, on Sunday mornings. But I'm working my butt off, right? Uh, you, you look at the rooms and how things are going around here, and you're like, oh, you know, it seems to be going okay. They're, they're doing pretty well. Many times, actually, if you look at our giving, it's, it's not actually that great. Uh, over the course of a month, uh, one out of every 12 people who stepped through our doors were actually give. One out of 12. Uh, if, you, if you split that over everybody who comes, the giving would equal out to about $16 for every person in the course of a month is what the giving looks like. Now, I don't know who gives. I, I don't have keys to the offering. I never touch the money. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Okay, so, so don't think I'm like looking at you going, oh, you, third row, fifth person in. You know, I, I don't know. Okay. So, so don't think that. Uh, but but this, this is why I tell you this. Well, my wife and I went to a movie on Friday. She got out of school early, so I stopped doing my stuff, went home, grabbed her, went and saw a movie, Law Abiding Citizen. This is pretty cool. Anyway, so, so we go see this movie, and it, it went a matinee, and it was 16 bucks for the two of us. She goes, I want a popcorn. That's like $80. <laughs> So she gets a popcorn and, and I get some water. And so I, I'm cheap, so I buy my candy at like Albertsons and sneak it in. Like, like yeah. You know, and, and, after, and after it's over, you know, we went to Panda Express and got dinner. I mean, we probably spent 45 bucks to just go to a movie. You get to come here for free. Maybe I'm not as good as a movie, but I'm, I'm just saying, you know. What, what I'm saying is that our lives are not just about us. Every dollar, every day, everything is God's. And if we live as if it is only ours, then that's a problem. I'm not saying get a paycheck and sign it to us. That, that would be terrible stewardship. If you come down to a place where it's like, I can either give Element my last $5 or feed my kids, feed your kids, okay? Feed your kids. But what I'm saying is that we have to ask ourselves where our priorities actually lie. Now, the elder's job at Element gets very tough this way because, you know, we want to hire a couple more people that get that can work on things, you know, during the week, you know, things that, that help us to actually grow. 
uh, and, and we can't. I, I think element staff and our budget is very lean. We actually cut everybody's budget this year, so they're all happy with me for that. Uh, but when you have 250 people come and one out of 12 give, it gets kind of tough. And when people, when, when, I, when people talk about money, people are like, that's none of your business. And I stop talking about it. If you think that way, then you are thinking that it is your body and your business and your money and that you are God. I, I don't want a big church. I would love for Element to be big enough that we can meet the needs of our community. That's what I would love to see. But I don't want a big church. I want a faithful church. I want people who are faithful, people who love God and serve Him, or those who don't know Him at all. But unfortunately, in America, you know what typically happens? Is churches fill up fat right in the middle, where people you know, say they know and love God, but they're totally lazy and they don't trust Him with anything, or they think they know God and they really don't. Hebrews 13, 17 says this, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so uh, their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. So sometimes I have to speak about very hard things to you guys, especially when it comes to money. Because before God, your elders will be accountable for you if we don't speak the truth about being faithful. Before God, the elders in this church will be accountable for you. Anybody want that job? A lot of times I don't want this job. You know, I'm only here because God has called me to be here. I'd rather be a farmer planting fields and being like, okay, planting my crops. I'm good. I'm accountable for broccoli. I'm, I'm good. You know, because that's, that, that's so much easier. Imagine one day God could say to you, why did you do that? And you'll say, you'll be like a teenager. You'll be like, I don't know. And God will look at me and be like, Aaron, why did you let them do that and never say anything? And I cannot be a person, and I don't want to be a person who looks at God and says, well, because I want them to like me you know, more than I really cared about their spiritual welfare. So I tell you very hard things sometimes. Hebrews 13, 7 says this, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So you know what I did? This is going to freak some people out. Uh, I actually had our accountant do a general review of how your leaders give. Once again, I don't know names, I don't know who gives or who gives what, but I wanted to know, are the people, your deacons and elders, are they people who are actually being faithful and participating in the work of the gospel? If I am actually telling you guys, you know, you need to figure out and give where God calls you to give, then I need to make sure that your leaders are being examples and doing the same thing. Uh, when they gave it, I was very encouraged. By, by what I got. Once again, no names. I just got general numbers. Uh, we have like three elders, 14 deacons. And do you know that they give 38% of the income that comes into Element? It's huge. I was like blown away. I'm like, I want to go kiss people's feet. I'm just like, wow. Could some be more faithful? Sure, some be more faithful. Is anybody in sin? I, I don't think so. So when I talk about money and I talk about giving, I'm not pointing my finger at you and say, you, 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 you. I'm saying that your leadership is also setting the example in this. Okay, We're not just saying it's, your, it's all of us doing the same thing. Now, I will tell you this also. We as a church set aside 10% of everything that comes in for world relief and church planting. World relief and church planting. Out of everything that you guys give that comes in an element, you know, we have done certain things this year. You, from your giving, have gotten clean drinking water to 200 families in Indonesia. You've supported a church planter in the Middle, of e in the middle East. Uh, you've supported a, a place in Thailand that has gotten shelter and uh, food for women who are coming out of prostitution. This year, uh, we are helping uh, Teen Court, uh, uh, the group that's helping to get you know, kids out of the juvenile justice system and try and set them on a better path. Uh, the Pregnancy Center, like girls who get pregnant and they don't know what to do, we're helping them. Uh, we're helping the Battered Women's Shelter, the Good Samaritan Shelter, the Food Bank, the Salvation Army, which feeds over 200 people every single day. 
And see, we as a church, we're not just sucking it up. We are blessed to be a blessing. So we, in turn, are also giving to those around us to make a difference. We are trying to be a faithful church as well. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. We are essentially talking about the heart of element, what God calls us to. Matthew 16, 19 through 21 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So how do you find out where your heart is? Where is your heart at? Jesus says, where do you spend your money? Where do you spend your time? Jesus says you go to your wallet, because your money follows where your heart is and what you worship. Your money follows that which is most important to you. That is what Jesus says. Now, if I love my wife and I spend all of her money on me and never gave anything to her and she's walking around in rags and, and I'm walking around you know, driving brand new cars and be like, hey, what's up? You, know, she, it, it, you would say that I didn't love my wife. You would say I didn't care about my wife. I would be a liar if I said I did and I never took care of her. And she would have good reason to question the sincerity of my heart. Many times people say, well, pastors just want our money. No. Guys, I, I drive a, almost a 10-year-old pickup truck that smells like dog feet. Okay? Inside. You want a ride? I'll give you a ride. You'll, you'll totally enjoy it. Okay? Honestly, Jesus spoke about money 25% of the time. If I was like Jesus, I would spend the first Sunday of every month talking about money. And, and I don't. This is the first time in probably a year since in John we talked about Jesus going up into the temple that I've actually talked about money. You know, why did they kill Jesus? couple things. But maybe because he talked about money so much. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, I don't talk about money so much. I don't want you to kill me. You know, so I don't do it. But the great gods of our culture are sex and money. It's like, it's my, bu- my body, it's my money. No, if you're a believer, then they belong to God. I'll give you a couple statistics. First one is this. An average American loses $100 in change every year that falls out of their pockets. $100 a year. 23 people who call themselves members of churches give less than that to their church in a given year. 23%. We lose more money in change to our couch than we give to our God. If your couch gets more of your money than God gets, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. The average single man gives less than the average single mother to churches. In the United States of America, it takes five to ten single guys giving to equal the giving of one single mom. It's an amazing statistic. Average month, again, everything put together, all services, including all of our online giving, one out of 12 people come to the door actually give. Maybe less after today. Yeah, I don't see how that goes. We might have extra seats. It might be like one of those airplanes you get on. It's like, hey, no one's on the plane. I can lay down anywhere. Might be like that next week. Come in, lay down. You know, maybe plenty of parking in the parking lot. You know, that's how it goes. But is element built on the faithfulness of people or in the faithfulness of God? The faithfulness of God, who in turn calls His people to be faithful people. Romans 2.4 says it is God's kindness, and I think that even refers to his breaking of us and our selfishness that leads us to repentance. Now, I'll end with this. Proverbs 16.9 says, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. So, you know, what are, what are Element's plans at, at this point? We have a few, okay? We have a few. Uh, we assume and hope that Element will continue to grow. That means we will eventually need more room for more people who may not give, and, you know, whatever, how that works. Uh, we don't know how long we're going to be staying here in this building. The way it looks right now, we're, it looks like it's going to be a little over a year. We're hoping. You know, it could be longer than that. We don't know. You know. And so we used to have to make these plans about where we're going to be and, and what we're going to do. We also set aside a, a portion of the income that comes in for that day when, when we have to move. But moving is never as easy or as cheap as you think. It's always ends up costing more. 
And so, you know, where we're at, uh, again, we have these budgets that all that the departments have. Like Mikey has a budget for, for lights and decorations and all this stuff. We cut his budget. You know, I got a budget for uh, cut my budget with children's. We, we had to cut and cut the youth. Everything is very lean right now. And we're cutting budgets because we have a few people that we pay to do some stuff around here, and I don't want to fire people. I don't want to get rid of someone who has been faithful because other people don't give. I don't want that to happen. And so, you know, I'm speaking at three services, was four. I'm working hard. But again, there's many people falling through the cracks. And I have one of our other elders. His name is Eric. I would love to bring Eric on staff because Eric has a great view of how to stop people from falling through these cracks and set things up and keep things. He's, he's got a great view for this. He's got a great pastor's heart. I am more of a teacher. If you look for the straight gifts of pastor, Eric's got a pastor's heart. And I would love to bring Eric on staff. But how am I going to do that? It's going to have to be faithful people, loving God, giving as God calls us to give. That's how it's going to happen. Because it can't happen any other way. I'll give you some good news. Because uh, there is some good news in all this. Uh, I, I, from the position I sit in, I get to see some lives changed. I, I've seen marriages you know, reconciled. I've seen kids and their parents come back together. I've seen, I've seen couples you know, come back together and love each other and, and become strong and healthy. Uh, I have Eric again. I have one of our deacons, David, there, actually taking some of my counseling load, and they are, they are seeing some difference in people's lives as well. God is doing some very good things. Jesus calls us to partner with him in the redemption of the world, and I think that as element, we are starting to do that. If I could just, if all you would uh, one day wake up and just go boom and get the idea, where to live missionally. Where I live, what I do makes a difference. Everything I do speaks of who Jesus Christ is in my life. All of a sudden, man, we'd be making a gigantic change in the world around us. Um, so we're going to do this uh, six-week series, uh, not just on you giving. Okay, This is like probably the most brutal one that, that we had. Uh, but we're going to talk about vocation and life plan and family, what you're here for. It's all going to culminate at Christmas, which is God coming and giving himself for us. Uh, again, this morning, this morning is the most brutal, uh, but certain things need to be said at times. I am not promising you things like a TV preacher. Give and you'll get shaken down, stirred. God sometimes does give back, okay? We're, we don't sell magic hankies on the way out the door where you, you know, or we, we don't put our handprint on the outside of the window and go, place your hand up here and put a hundred bucks in the offering box and God's going to heal you, okay? We, we, don't, we don't do that. We don't do that. Uh, I will simply tell you that, that God is a good God. Salvation is free. Salvation is free. But Jesus takes and he changes us to be the people he calls us to be. Our love of God will be shown by who we worship the most. This includes our time and our money and our life altogether. Do we worship ourselves? Do we worship others? Or do we worship God? God is a good God. Many times we are just not that great of children. But we need to be. We need to be. And so today I'm calling you guys, you know, you, you repent. Uh, you reset your priorities, especially as we get into Christmas. And then I invite you guys to come to communion today. Because communion is the place where we remember Christ's body and his blood that was shed for us because this is all about repentance. You know, Christianity is not, I do whatever I want and God forgives me. Christianity is God changing us to be the people he calls us to be because we have trusted in him. And that is repentance. So I invite you guys this morning to come to this place of communion where you break that cracker that represents his body that was broken for you and I and you dip it in the wine of the grape juice that represents his blood that was shed for you and I so that we can be redeemed because Jesus gave everything for you and I. We're going to worship God through song. The band's going to come back up. They're going to invite you guys to enter into a couple songs with them where you're at. You may want to sing and pray a little bit but before you take communion or you just may want to get up and take it and then go back and, and join them in song. 
uh, we, we worship God uh, through giving. Uh, there's offering boxes, like I said, on, on side walls in the back of the room. You can mail if you want to mail. You can give online. 31%, I think, of giving of our giving comes in online. I give online because, seriously, I, I, didn't, I didn't write a check for like a year and a half at some point. Then I got something else, and, and I wrote a check like the first time last week. I was like, wow, that's amazing. I do everything online. Uh, and so you can give online. Uh, but we give simply because God gave so much to us, and giving to Him is part of our worship. It shows that we are not just all about ourselves. I worship God through prayer. There will be some uh, deacons and elders in the back. And if you are someone and your finances are out of control, uh, I would invite you to go and pray with one of them. And then maybe we get you connected with somebody who, who can help you make a budget and get that whole financial thing in your life under control. Uh, maybe you are somebody who just gives everything to yourself. Uh, you probably need to pray with them so that maybe they can help you refocus your life. Uh, uh, so pray with them. And then lastly, when we're done, I invite you guys to, to be involved in fellowship. Go eat, drink coffee, get your little nicotine buzz or whatever. What's, what's in coffee? Caffeine. <laughs> we grow tobacco in the back. We'll be selling that to supplement our income. Uh, soda makes me sleepy. I don't drink soda in the morning. I drink at night when I go to bed. Anyway, so uh, caffeine in the back, uh, yeah, and eat sugar and get to know each other and spur one another on. I mean, ask people these questions. You know, I, I, if you have a small group of people that, that you trust and trust you, ask those questions. Go, you know, how you doing? Who are you worshiping with your stuff? With your stuff. Well, worship Jesus. That's what we want to do. Stuff. Six weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being a God that has been so good to us. God, we confess freely that many times we have not in our lives been good children. But we want to be. We want to be. And so we ask that you would take a hold of our hearts and you would help us to understand more and more daily of the things that you have given to us. That we would set apart the things in our lives, everything in our lives, to reflect and worship and glorify you. God, we speak a lot about you being our father and us being your kids. I ask this morning that you would give us the ability to truly see what that looks like. So that we would realize as, as we give you Bill's the Frog, that we would understand that it's what you gave first to us. Everything comes from your hands. Everything. And that we would be a people who become faithful in the things that you have given us. And that in seeing how faithful you are, our trust would also grow. And our faith would grow. And we would live more and more like the people you call us to be. A faithful people serving a faithful God. Amen.